At the moment, when most people come into work, there's this expectation you leave your soul at the door. So you sort of, you come in to do your role. We forget that 98% of what makes us up is actually not what we do, it's who we are. So we talk a lot about role and soul profiling. So how do you actually help people sort of uncover who they are, how they communicate, what drives them, what motivates them, but then also giving that lens to them for the rest of their team. But once you understand that lens, you can, you're better communicators. It's not about the power and authority. It's actually about the responsibility of looking after everyone in the tribe. I think when we change leadership that way and make it more transformative, how do we empower the humans within the organisation rather than leading or telling, then suddenly you have this unlock of human potential where suddenly everyone in your organisation is driving towards a common purpose. Welcome to episode 174 of Be The Drop, a weekly interview podcast sharing stories from people who inspire and motivate others to help you learn how to tell your story. I'm Amelia Ville, Director at Narrative Marketing and firm believer in the superpower of storytelling. Life as a small business owner and the desire to constantly achieve peak performance can be hard. When you're an entrepreneur or startup founder, you need to be extremely resilient. What's interesting and what my guest this week knows only too well is that often one of the main things holding us back is ourselves. Aaron Birkby describes himself as an ecosystem builder. With a background of more than two decades as a successful startup founder, receiving a 2016 Entrepreneur of the Year Award, he is also a public speaker, hackathon facilitator, corporate innovation advisor, cultural transformation leader, board member, investor, mentor and adventurepreneur. As co-founder of Peak Persona and Tribe Global, Aaron helps startups and individuals to achieve their full potential. In today's episode of Be The Drop, Aaron discusses the importance of small personalised behavioural changes to our psychology and work habits. He provides numerous top tips that can empower us to become better communicators, healthier individuals and help us to achieve peak performance. This is Aaron's version of Be The Drop. Aaron's episode was recorded live at South Start in Adelaide, a convergence of humans, impact and technology, where humans and machines create tomorrow, today. I've included a link in the show notes if you'd like to learn more about South Start. Aaron, thank you so much for joining me for our next episode of Be The Draw. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's great. You've come all the way down from Brisbane yep. here to Adelaide. We've got some, we've put some heat on for you, but at least we're nice and air conditioned <laughs> in here in our fantastic tent at South Star. This is amazing in here. It's a fantastic setup. It is cool. It's very cool. So what are you here talking about today? So today talking about ecosystems, so startup ecosystem development, and then tomorrow talking about human performance. So particularly focused on purpose and goal settings. Yeah. Okay, great. So before we jump into some of that, I've got some questions to ask you around that. Sure. Could you set the scene for us with a little bit of a story, like your story about how you've come to be where you are now? So most of my life as a startup founder and 
sold out the last couple of companies in 2012, 2013. But through that journey, just realized how hard entrepreneurship is. And at the time, there wasn't really an ecosystem in Australia to support startup founders. And then since then, the last seven years, working with a lot of entrepreneurs and mentoring them and realizing that so much of my time helping founders actually has nothing to do with their business. What's holding them back is their own internal struggles, their own internal beliefs, their relationships at home, their imposter syndrome, they're, they're suffering burnout, they're not taking care of themselves. And just through that process, sort of realizing people need help adulting. They need help with the routines. And we're very good at supporting athletes and building our entire support crews around them, but we don't do that yet for entrepreneurs. So through that process, sort of identified, well, hey, let's set up a program and see if we can teach some of the habits and routines of you know, high performers, high achievers. And that's how Peak Persona was launched. And then now taking that as a team uh, science into organizations and communities. So what are some of those biggest challenges when you go into a team organizational perspective? What mm. are the things that you're seeing there? There's a, a common pattern, I think. Most organizations, like if you look at the, the history of organizational structures, we still, even though the structures have sort of flattened, we're still in a situation where most corporates, most organizations operate where you have high-performing individuals reporting to a boss or a manager rather than reporting to each other. And if you actually want a high-performing team, you have to come back to more of a tribal theory where everyone supports everyone else in the tribe. Everyone's there with a common purpose. And this plays out like in simple ways. So for example, often if there's a you know, weekly team meeting and the manager can't make it that week, they cancel the meeting because everyone's reporting to the manager, which is a broken model. What should happen is everyone reports to each other. Everyone has each other's back. When you instill that tribal mentality into a, into a team or into an organization, they actually perform higher. And companies like Facebook do this. They have like a two pizza rule, which is no team should be bigger than you can feed with two pizzas. So five to 10 people is the optimal team size. And the manager becomes a coach so it's less about telling people what to do and more coaching them to do things themselves. And then also, I suppose that creates a great teamwork in that you're relying on the other people to succeed in your role too. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So it's all about teamwork. It's all about accountability to the group, supporting each other. But what it requires is a lot of work around individuals. So at the moment, when most people come into work, there's this expectation you leave your soul at the door. So you sort of, you come in to do your role, but we forget that, you know, 98% of what makes us up is actually not what we do, it's who we are. So we talk a lot about role and soul profiling. So how do you actually help people sort of uncover who they are, how they communicate, what drives them, what motivates them, but then also giving that lens to them for the rest of their team so that they know if I'm talking to Mary, I should talk in numbers or stats. And if I'm talking to John, it might be more of the human, you know, feeling side. So, but once you understand that lens, you can, you're better communicators. Mm. And so then you, you can actually get more done effectively. Mm. I was thinking as you're talking how the communication works within a team, because for me, yeah. I think that's you know, a real foundation as far as trying to drive success. Yeah, it, it's huge because uh, most of us, even though, you know, we speak the same language, we use the same words, but the words have a subjective emotional value based on our past experiences. So we can be having a, the same conversation, well, we think we're having the same conversation, but it turns out we're actually saying very different things. So some of the techniques that we teach are things like, you know, can you paint that for me? In other words, go into more detail of describing what you actually want as the outcome. Mm. Uh, we do things like rumbles where you have very honest conversations. So these concepts are taken from Brene Brown and her research on the power of vulnerability. But then looking at people like Ben Robert Smith, the ex-military, he describes this hot wash technique, which is in the military when an aircraft lands on an aircraft carrier, they, they wash it immediately while the airframe is hot to remove all the bugs so there's no friction on performance. He's taking that same concept into a workplace where in any team meeting, everyone has to air all their grievances, all their, whoever's holding them back or whatever's going, whatever thoughts are in their head have to be aired at the meeting. It can't be a water cooler conversation afterwards. So that cultural thing of we're all in this together, we can have those vulnerable conversations. But even simple things like not allowing devices into a meeting. 
And what that shows, organisations that have done that is in that start of the meeting where normally, you know, everyone's waiting for people to arrive, their head's in their phone, they're distracted. Instead, they actually have real conversations. They say, how <laughs> what are the kids? What a novel idea. I know. Ah. It's exactly. It's like, oh, how are the kids? How was your holiday? Uh, Google even, they have this thing of it's a trip report. So if anyone goes away on the weekend, comes back in the team meeting, they have to report on their holiday because it builds that human connection. Mm. So I think there's so many things, that, like so many models of intervention that can be used to build that communication skill. Mm, and it's interesting, you know, at a time where it, we, you know, we're very technology advancing and focused, which is yeah. exciting. It is enabling us to do lots of really great things. Mm. But a reoccurring theme and something certainly that's strong here at South Start yeah. is what about the human element in yes. that? And that's obviously something that's really important in the work that you're doing. Absolutely. I mean, we see, if you look at the evolution, so coming out of the you know, industrial revolution, the information age, now moving into an era where we have AI and machine learning taking over more and more things. I think the human ability to communicate and build relationships, the emotional intelligence and the soft skills are going to be more important than ever. I know there's a lot of talk about teaching kids STEM. I actually think we it's emotional intelligence that is actually the future skill that they will need in the workplace. Computers will increasingly do all of the computational activities. So, yeah, I think it's something that, you know, inside corporates we need to really change that skill set and start introducing those soft skills a bit more. Mm. But how do you do that in a workplace? So it's really hard, but uh, we have a toolkit. So this is, this is basically the work we do, but it does require top-down leadership. And one of the disconnects we see a lot is when uh, if the CEO hasn't bought into it or if the CEO is just bottom line driven, it's a, it's a very hard conversation to ever make happen. But assuming they're on board, there's, I mean, simple things like an unconference, for example. So having one to two days where all the staff come together and there's no agenda. Anyone can talk about anything. And it's amazing what comes out of it. It sounds like such a random, almost like a distraction. It doesn't seem to be a productivity tool. But what it does is it creates bonded little micro tribes within the organisation. Because suddenly people are connected because they like Star Trek or because they're addicted to some form of motorsport and watching that. But they have this common bond. And what it does is it cross-pollinates relationships across the little micro-tribes within the organisation. And the reason this works, if you look at an ecosystem like Israel, so population of 8 million people, six to 8,000 early-stage technology companies, so, so per capita, they're performing massively well. Um, but the reason it works is mandatory military service means everyone is sort of cross-pollinated with people they wouldn't otherwise cross paths with. And it's th these events, like an unconference, as simple as it is inside a corporate, does the same thing. Yeah. Because suddenly someone at the front desk is talking to an executive, is talking to the HR department on a human level. Mm. So, yeah, there's lots of different techniques you can introduce. Well, I certainly like the sound of an unconference better than mandatory military service. But... <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> but I really like the idea of the unconference and that mm. idea because – and I think, you know, even though there's no agenda, I, I wouldn't be surprised if some really great work-focused solutions come out of that because we go to work and, and even though, you, you know, you mentioned that maybe we leave our soul at the door, mm. I think we spend so much time there. I think generally people want to do good work. Yes. They want to be part of something that's making a difference. That's a human condition. So mm. you put them in that space and I think genu genuinely – you'll get people engaging and wanting to go, well, hey, I had this idea. It's kind of random. Absolutely. I totally agree. I think most people, they, they want to be empowered. They, they don't actually want to be told what to do in a workplace. Imagine if you could, if you could talk to your staff and, and understand what, do, what are they trying to achieve? And if they had free reign to go and run with an idea, what would that look like? And when you actually empower people that way, there's less leadership needed 
Uh, and then you just become that, like I was saying before, you become that, that coach. Mm. But yeah, you, you're right with the unconference too. Often people, uh, even though you can talk about anything and some will talk about sailing or TV shows, many people just want to solve a problem that they experience at work each day. So suddenly you have this group think tank coming together to solve a, a problem within the organisation that wouldn't otherwise ever come up and be addressed. Mm. So yeah, it's a really powerful little tool. Yeah, and you're empowering them to take charge exactly. of that, which is good. And again, yep. that's a different communication framework. Yes. You know, it's a different style of, of running an organisation instead of telling them yes. that top down, well, we have to fix this, so fix it. Yep. You're opening it and then they're telling you what needs to be fixed. Completely. So it's a leadership style more, you know, as we said, going back to it, this tribal theory where a tribal elder or, or leader, it's almost like a rite of passage and that role isn't a token. Like it's not that you wear the feathers or, or have the, the, the sword or whatever the, the sort of artifact is of that symbol of leadership. It's not about the power and authority. It's actually about the responsibility of looking after everyone in the tribe. So I think when we change leadership that way and make it more transformative, how do we empower the humans within the organization rather than leading or telling, then suddenly you have this unlock of human potential where suddenly everyone in your organisation is driving towards a common purpose. Fantastic. And then on the flip side as well, you also work with individuals and really yes. help them unlock their own purpose and potential too. Yep. And one of the things you were telling me about that had my eyebrow raised <laughs> was getting up before the sun comes up. <laughs> so, you know, maybe explain that and give us a bit of context around this, the personal routines that sure. you're looking at. Yeah, so basically we studied the uh, routines, habits and techniques used by high achievers in whatever field and that includes athletes entrepreneurs top ceos executives musicians artists and it turns out there's a common set of things that they do uh, and one of them is waking up what we call pre-dawn and this is basically waking up two hours earlier than you have to now for shift workers that could be offset in every way but waking up two hours earlier to give that time to yourself so engineering yourself into your your peak mindset and that could be, you know, include exercise, it could include yoga, meditation, other mindfulness techniques, reading, definitely time alone, uh, you know, to sort of process everything in our heads because we have background thoughts. Uh, it could be listening to audiobooks. But the goal is to whatever sort of brings your cup back up full and, and sets your soul on fire and re-energizes you, do that first in your day. Prioritize it as a non-negotiable. It doesn't matter if you went to bed at one in the morning, get up early <laughs> and give that to yourself. And what you'll find is, if you do it long enough, it becomes a habit. So it takes 66 days to form a habit. But by the end of the day, you no longer need that recovery. Most of us otherwise, we, we wake up and respond to the day. So the day happens to us rather than us proactively being present and choosing how it mm. unfolds. So most people come home at the end of the day and they need to drink wine and you know, numb themselves on Netflix to recover. But when you actually start your day with the morning routine the right way, you end your day still energized and you can go to bed earlier. So the thing about waking up early is it doesn't mean less sleep. It just means you go to bed earlier and mm. it's a conscious decision. But so far we've put 300 people through the program from nine different countries. There's a lot of people who are adamant they were night owls, that they were too creative. <laughs> this would destroy their creativity. Um, but in every case, they've, they've become morning people. No, I mean, look, I love the concept of it. And I d certainly recognise some of those behaviours where, you know, get to the end of the day and you're exhausted and need to numb myself. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I would like to shift that around. But it does freak me out. I'm like, <laughs> oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> but what are some of these other habits and routines yeah. that are really important? Sure. So we've divided into eight modules essentially starting with adulting so a lot of things like you know waking up early so getting your sleep right uh, making your bed drinking two liters of water every single day practicing mindful eating so we don't prescribe what you eat but it's being very present with your food choice and, and 
the consumption of food, um, exercise, all the, all the things we know we should be doing, but they're also the things that we sacrifice first when we're busy or when we're stressed. They tend to be the things that we give up, mm. but they're actually the things most critical. Um, the second thing is what we call the toolkit. So we have about 20 techniques that you can use to break circuit patterns of behavior, so to interrupt your psychology if you're spiraling, but also um, to engineer states of mind. So if you, for example, you have to go into present or pitch and you're naturally an introvert, there's techniques you can use like listening to a curated music playlist. So we prescribe, go and create music playlists for the mood you want to be in. Most people listen to music for the mood they're in, but simply like changing the music you listen to can alter your physical state. Mm. Uh, We use third spaces, which is a space between work and home where you can transition. So uh, as you come home from work, rather than bringing the stress of work into the house and not being fully present with your partner or kids, use a third space, which could be a commute, it could be a coffee shop, could be the beach, could be a park, but as a moment to transition and get yourself excited and into the you know, loving spouse mode or parent mode to walk into the house. Um, techniques like download. So actually just purging the day and the stresses to someone. You're not looking for advice. You're not looking for feedback. You just want to get it out of your system. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so there's about 20 techniques that we teach. And then other things around decision making because most of us actually aren't taught how to make effective decisions, how to manage our time. We have a leadership module, but they're all just different tools that high achievers use that we've distilled down into action items. Mm, Fantastic. I mean, and so many of those things that you were just mentioning then resonate with me. I mean, Mm. I know that if a song that I really love that's upbeat and fun and happy comes on, my mood changes. Completely. You you know, like, and I can jump up by myself with my kids, whatever, and like it can be a complete mood changer. Yeah. And that's the thing. There's so many lessons in watching our kids. Like Mm. we know, right, if we put on high energy music, our kids get high energy. And then if we put on the lullabies, they'll go to sleep. Same if they eat certain foods, they suddenly spike in energy or, or lull there's so many lessons from our childhood that we've forgotten as adults Mm. that we can actually engineer these states of mind very simply with small little circuit breakers and once you structure them into your daily routines suddenly you find that negative thought patterns go away you find that you can sustain yourself and prevent burnout you can prevent mental health issues from arising but also you're just more creative you're more productive you have new perspectives on things you're more energized the way you talk to other people is you know more compelling and more passionate so it's an amazing process to go through. It's, it's fascinating the human patterns of behaviour that we get to see through the cohorts. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot of fun too. Yeah, well, and it's, it's great. Like even hearing you, your energy and your passion for yeah. what you're doing is, is really palpable. So it's exciting. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Yeah. So then for you, like if you look back, what are some of the challenges that have really helped you in the learnings that you've now created? Oh, so, so many. So the main business that I had ran for 10 years and – there were incredibly stressful moments in that and I felt very isolated. And I remember at one point we had about 150 grand of personal credit card debt to keep the payroll going for a couple of months and just the stress of mm. that and the responsibility of you know, managing your teams. And I hit a point where I suffered severe anxiety. Like I had physical symptoms of anxiety. I wasn't sleeping, wasn't eating. I had muscle spasms from it. And uh, that's when I, I realized exercise for me was a major one. If I would exercise to the point of exhaustion every day, I would sleep perfectly fine. I'd get my sleep. And the endorphin rush from it would change my psychology. Uh, then discovered music, like the, the power of deliberately, consciously choosing the music you listen to, exactly like we just said. Um, but even little things like drinking two litres of water every day, mm. the studies have shown how much that impacts our psychology. Mm. And when you're dehydrated, it actually impacts your psychology in a negative way. So small little hacks, being aware that if I eat carbs, it changes, I get energy spikes. So how do you choose low GI food options to prevent those energy highs and lows? Mm. Which 
you know, sounds simple and it is, but it requires that conscious yeah, choice. Yeah, because as you were talking, you said deliberately, consciously yes. choosing, you know, yeah. and I think that's the really key part of it. Absolutely. Because we know this. We get given this information. We know that you should have a balanced diet, exercise, you yeah. know. We understand the the healthy, mm. you know, and the wellness benefits. We yeah. even understand the benefits of it. Completely. But it's the difference is understanding and then actioning. Completely. And I, I think we've lost we've lost touch of ourselves we you know what you were talking about before with technology and all the notifications we're, we're on 24 7 and we're very reactionary most of us live a life where we're in response to whatever request we've just had if it's a notification a message our calendar telling us to do something our, our boss demanding something an email a phone call we've actually forgotten to just be present in the moment and present in our body mm. where we actually feel you know, actually I'm hungry or actually I'm thirsty or actually I'm tired and I should sleep. We've forgotten those core fundamental elements of just living and adulting. Mm. And so then, you know, because we know these things, how do you communicate in a way that, you know, you've got these people coming through the program? How do you mm. actually consciously make them make the choice, make the decision to get involved, do the program and to prioritise themselves? What is the yeah. communication that you find most effective to get people on board? So this is really interesting. So originally when we started, we framed some stuff around mental health. And what we found was the stigma of that meant people didn't opt in. So we frame everything around performance because most people will select into if, you know, if I could be better, why not? I'm going to give this a go. A lot of our language, I'm not sure we've got it 100% just right yet because people have to want it. And we went through an experiment where people could gift program memberships to others or they, some were paying for their spouse to do the program and some were paying for their teams to do the program. And what we found is if individuals didn't self-select in, mm. they weren't ready for the change and they weren't committed and they would just hit resistance all the time. And the other thing, the other framing for us is to treat everything as an experiment. So what we encourage the participants to come in with an attitude of, look, this may not work for you, but try it, do it for 30 days, do it for 66 days and be very aware of the, your emotional response to it. And what we find is lots of people resist. They're like, I'm a night owl. I will never be a morning person. I will never make my bed. That's just stupid. Why do you get me to make my bed? Drinking two liters of water, that can't possibly help me. But when they do it for the 30 days and they realize, wow, this has actually had a massive impact on me. And it's one of those things that's really hard to convey until someone's done it. If I go to a barbecue with mates and say, yeah, this is all the program is, they just look at me like, well, that's silly. That's nothing. But it's actually everything. So, yeah, it's a, it's a hard one to sell. But people, what we find is most of it is referrals, like word of mouth referrals, testimonials. But it has to be people who are seeking change. Otherwise, it's sort of wasted. Yeah. So really knowing and targeting the audience that's exactly. ready. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. completely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Aaron. In conclusion, though, could you share with me your Be The Drop tip, which is your top tip to communicate in a way that motivates and inspires others? Oh, that's a really awesome question. <laughs> I think it's really about understanding what motivates the person you're talking to. So what is what is their purpose? What's their North Star? And what are their driving patterns? You know, you can do this through profiling, but there's certain ways you can pick up on, on what drives people. And once you know what drives them, then you can frame it in that way. The other thing I'd say is triggers. Like if you know someone's triggers, their emotional triggers. Like for example, if you told me, Aaron, you can't do that. There's no way you could do that. That's it's like, just watch me. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I'm going to do that. I get that. Uh, so if you know someone's triggers, that's a really effective way. Like use them for good, please. Don't use them for evil. <laughs> uh, but that's a really fantastic way to get someone to do something. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much. No, thanks for having me on. This has been awesome. Good. 
Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that. Thank you.